Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Rabbi Shalom Yemini, and each week we'll look into the weekly Torah portion to find practical and insightful ways to enhance your daily life. This week's Parsha Perspective is in honor of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and all Chabad rabbis worldwide. May they continue to follow in the steps of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and make the world ready for the ultimate redemption speedily in our days. This week's Parsha Perspective is also in honor of the Rafuah Shalema, the complete and speedy recovery of Rahamalea Basar. This week's Parsha Perspective is in loving memory of Leah Mincha Basak of Yosef, Edward Ben Ephraim, Shlomo Ben Edward, and Yerachmiel Daniel Ben Gedalia. May their souls be uplifted and may their memories be a blessing. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Karach, Holiness Will Override. This Thursday, the release day of this episode is the 3rd of Tammuz, which marks 29 years since the passing of the Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem and Lushnerson. Traditionally, this is a day of reflection, recommitment, and overall positive action. Our Parsha begins with Karach, a rich and influential man from the tribe of Levi, staging a rebellion against Moshe and his brother Aaron, the high priest. Together with a few ringleaders, he gathered 250 men and accused Moshe and Aaron of nepotism and power hoarding. They took specific issue with Moshe's appointment of his brother Aaron as the Kohen Gadol, as the high priest. Furthermore, they argued that since the entire Jewish nation was holy, there was no need for any person to be higher than another. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu or Aaron HaKoyen did not have to be the leader or the high priest for the Jewish people. In response, Moshe Rabbeinu proposed that the next day they participate in the test to see who was chosen to be the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. Everyone would bring a Keturis offering, an incense offering in the Mishkan, and God would make his choice known. God was immensely angered by the nation's association with Karach and wished to destroy them. But Moshe and Aaron prayed on the Jewish people's behalf, and the decree was averted. Instead, God made the earth open up and swallowed Karach and the rest of the rebels alive. Surprisingly, Karach's punishment did not stop the others from continuing to rebel against Moshe and Aaron. So God instructed Moshe about the test of the sticks. A leader from each tribe would write their name upon a stick and give that to Moshe Rabbeinu to place it overnight in the Holies of Holies, the Kodesh HaKadoshim. The stick that blossomed or bloomed with any growth or vegetation would be recognized as God's chosen leader. Moshe Rabbeinu gathered all the sticks and placed them overnight in the Holies of Holies as God instructed him. The following morning, all the leaders gathered around as Moshe Rabbeinu retrieved their sticks. Needless to say, Aaron staff, Aaron stick, had blossomed miraculously with ripe almonds. And this test demonstrated decisively that Moshe and Aaron were the chosen and elected leader of the Jewish people. However, a question comes to mind. Following the death of Korach and his unholy congregation, the Jewish nation began revolting against Moshe and Aaron. And they said, you have brought death upon God's nation. And in response, God was immensely angry and told Moshe and told Aaron to remove themselves from the assembly, from the congregation, as he wishes to destroy them for their continued defiance. A plague began and Aaron quickly offered his own incense offering, his own guitarist, and ended the plague that killed 14,700 people. But why did God ask Moshe and Aaron to remove themselves from the congregation? Couldn't have God destroyed all those who revolted and rebelled without killing Moshe and Aaron? Why did God ask them to remove themselves from that unholy assembly? The Balaturim, Rav Yaakov ben Usher, 
gives an interesting explanation in his commentary, the Torah Ha'arach. He refers to a similar scenario earlier in our Parsha, when God directed Moshe and Aaron to step back as he destroys Korach and his assembly. But instead of stepping back, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron HaKoyin fell on their faces and prayed on behalf of the Jewish nation. The Bala Turim explains that the command to separate in both these scenarios was not just to Moshe and to Aaron, but to all those who viewed Moshe and Aaron as the correct and chosen leader by God. Because God wanted all those who wished to be saved to demonstrate that they are separating from this unholy congregation. And not just using words, but through a physical act in public view, making their choice of who is the correct leader known to all. However, the Orach HaMakadosh, Rav Chaim Ibn Attar, a Moroccan commentary and Kabbalist, gives a deeper and more profound explanation. He agrees with the Balaturim that the command to step back was not solely addressed to Moshe and Aaron, but to all righteous individuals. The word Lemur, which means saying, was used by God in both scenarios, indicating that the command to separate was meant to be conveyed to all those who believed in Moshe's leadership. The Orach HaMakadosh writes, that God required Moshe, Aaron, and all righteous people to step back to allow the Malachim of us, the angel of death, to fulfill his duty. Moshe and Aaron's devotion to God along with the righteousness of so many Jewish people prevented the angel of death from carrying out his task. As the epitome of the other side of the Sitra Achor, the angel of death, the Malachim of us, exists solely to oppose holiness, to oppose goodness and righteousness in this world. However, when spirituality and holiness are present and are visibly displayed, the angel of death, the Malacham of us, holds no power. For instance, the blood of the sacrifice placed on each of the Jewish doorposts in Egypt, preventing the angel of death from harming the firstborns in that home. The Archam HaKadosh continues that Moshe and Aaron's response to these commands are why they are chosen to lead. In both of these cases, in both of these scenarios, instead of stepping back, they fell on their faces and prayed on behalf of the people who were actively rebelling against them. They pleaded and beseeched the one and only God to punish those who truly deserve and leave the rest unaffected. And this profound lesson is ever more relevant as we approach Gimel Tamas, a day that challenges our perceptions, our emotions, and perspective. Although we cannot physically see the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe, with our own eyes, His holiness, presence, and mission remain unchanged. Since assuming leadership in the 10th of Shvat in 1951, the Rebbe's objective was clear, to infuse divine light into this very dark world. Just as Moshe Rabbeinu led the Jewish nation out of Egypt, the Rebbe illuminated the path of countless of individuals offering spiritual guidance, inspiration, and unwavering dedication. His teachings and actions continue to infuse our lives with holiness, bringing us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to our Father in Heaven. Like Moshe, the Rebbe's devotion to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and tireless efforts to uplift the world continues to have a lasting impact and enduring effect in our lives. So in honor of the Rebbe's leadership and dedication, join his mission and add in divine light by performing even the smallest of commandments, the smallest of mitzvahs, because we need to prepare our world for the ultimate redemption. There's a powerful quote from the Tanya, the first book of Chassidus. The life of a tzaddik, the life of a righteous person, is not the life of flesh, but a spiritual life consisting entirely of faith, awe, and love of God. Having meaningful and inspirational Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Parsha Perspective. Check out our website, theparshaperspective.com. 
send thoughts and comments to the partial perspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.